Hey guys, Rob here with McDojo Life. Real fast before we get started, I would like to thank my sponsors. I would like to thank Fightback CBD. Thank you guys so much for the support. I'd like to thank Gold BJJ. If you guys would like to check out some online tutorials and training and things like that, also they make gear, please go over to goldbjj.com and check them out. And also MMA Pack, which is a monthly subscription service where they will send you a different pack full of different MMA gear like gloves, t-shirts, rash guards, hand wraps, all kinds of stuff different every month. So go check them out. Today on my show, I have somebody very special who has been doing very well on YouTube. And actually it was somebody that was brought to my attention. And usually I have my finger on the pulse of most of the stuff, but I have Nick Drossos on the show. What's up, man? What's up, man? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being on. Thank you for taking the time. Now, one thing that I did notice, which kind of sparked my attention about your particular page, was you do um, field tests, you do field studies. Yeah. So you'll go out into the public, uh, you'll meet people, um, and then you'll say, hey, I would like you to do this, whatever the challenge may be. Yeah. Uh, you did one that stood out to me, which was an old drill that I've done a million times with a magic marker, yeah. where um, it was like a knife defense. And you were like, hey, I'd like you to try to cut me with this magic marker, uh, which will leave a mark to prove that there was a cut. And I will try to defend myself against this the best I can. So kind of explain a little bit about that particular one and then what it let people know who you are and what you do. Um, it was actually um, I, I wanted to do something new. I wanted to mm. challenge myself and I wanted to also, uh, you know, really show the real challenges of challenging uh, challenges of knife defense. So I said to myself, what can I do something new, something that's never been done? And, and, and I said, okay, I was doing social experiments where I was going out and training people live. And then I said, let me do something with a knife. Let me go, just go find random people, tell them to grab a marker. And basically every time they cut me at a certain place, uh, you know, I would give them 20 bucks or whatever it was. And, uh, the idea behind that was to really show how hard it is to defend against a knife, to have different people from different sizes, different backgrounds, and really not knowing you know, who's going to attack me, how they're going to attack me, uh, you know, and, and, and the challenging part of doing this is you, you never know who you're going to get. And mm. when I made that video, some people were saying, well, he's not a, he's not a an knife expert. And I always say, guys, I'm not afraid of a knife expert. I'm afraid of the crackhead, the psycho. I'm afraid of the random person who just might pick up a weapon and attack you. So it's not always the, 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 the perfect, you know, type of, uh, like, you know, expert I look for when I make these videos. And sometimes training with these random people, it's even harder and less predictable. And it was a great way for me to just also test what I teach. Does it work? It doesn't work. And in some of the videos, you see me, the guy took me down. Another one I got hit. But I enjoy doing this because there's, there's a, you know, I try to bring it as close as reality as I could obviously the next step I tell people would be me giving somebody a real knife and say attack me whenever you want which is unrealistic but you know it, it's it's that's the goal when I make these videos mm, yeah definitely How, now what got you started in the martial arts why did you get started what when did you start that kind of stuff um, I grew up in Montreal Park X uh, on a you know lower class more you know tougher kind of neighborhood and I was you know a little skinny kid being bullied and back then it's not like you know if you got bullied or picked on you know you didn't if you went to your parents and you said well you know somebody hit me it's like you're telling me for you know you figure it out <laughs> Tough you know what I mean? yeah it, it was like you know so like you know so I knew I had to learn 
you know, how to defend myself from a young age. And I started with Kung Fu when I was like eight or nine. And I loved it. I really loved the martial arts. But even at a young age, I realized that I knew that what I was learning, you know, had its limitations in terms of what works and what doesn't. So that was like the first martial art I did. Then I did Taekwondo and then I did boxing and kickboxing and then did reality-based self-defense. So and then I touched upon a lot of systems and I could never say I'm a black belt or I never became a, an expert at one of them. I just did a lot of them mm. and I became good at all of them. I never followed through any of them at 100%. And I say that really authentically and real. I'm never going to claim some bullshit like mm-hmm. i mean i'm against that especially you probably see it in the industry all these guys promoting all this shit and when you check up on them you know it's full of shit so mm-hmm. um but a lot of my experience as well started when i started working in clubs mm-hmm. you know i took everything I, I i trained and when i started working in clubs i realized really quickly it's like fuck i spent years learning this this doesn't work that doesn't work that never happened and it's like okay how do i start training a lot more realistic for like what I'm actually faced, what, what actually works and what doesn't mm. in terms of everything I've trained. And until today, I still, you know, explore new things and I mm. train with different people. So that's a little bit more or less my journey. Okay. So why do you, why do you think that you haven't taken that leap or taken that step to try to get or earn a black belt through a system? Uh, great question. Because um, one like, I mean, let's say I love jiu-jitsu. I love it. And I, I, I train with a pro fighter. I, I, I did privates with him. I could, I could grapple. I'm not an expert because I was never, uh, it was never important for me, the belt. Mm. It was never for me, like, let me, let me get to this level. And No, for me, it was like, okay, everything I do is for self-defense. So I was able to say, okay, what do I love about this system? This. I love boxing, right? Mm. And And... At one point, they wanted me to go to amateur and stuff like this. I wasn't interested because that wasn't my purpose. Mm. So I love boxing. I learned how to box. I, you put me in a ring. I can spar. I, I could move. I still train. But it wasn't – everything I did was for self-defense. So I said, okay, this system has this that I like. This system has this. Mm. this, And then I kind of put everything together for what I believe ne- – is more needed for the street and for self-defense. Mm-hmm. So you don't promote anyone or anything like that, like in ranks or belt systems. No, I, oh. I like. I mean, I, I'm, I'm. No, I don't. Uh, I've never. I mean, here, here's what I believe in, and this is what I love. What you do is that you know you could look at Adam, like you, you look at some of these guys online, and they're like black belt master, fifteen belts, and then you look at it in his video, and you're like, that makes no fucking sense. You're actually mm-hmm. teaching that for self-defense. Mm. So to me, whether I tell people, when you look at a video, take away the title, mm. take away the belts, take away the reputation and look at the content. Is it real? Does it work? In the, does it work for self-defense? What is the purpose of your training as well? Mm. So look at that when you watch a video and forget about all the other stuff. So I think that for me, it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned. I've never been, and it's part of my personality, I've never been concerned with titles or, you know, belts or any of that stuff. To me, it's like, okay, I'm here to teach self-defense. What works? What doesn't work? How do I put a system together to be able to teach people as simple, as efficient for real life? That's pretty much how I do it. You know, the belt system is a little tricky. It's one of those things where it's a, it's a guideline. 
Now, me yes. personally, if uh, I think that it's important that we have people who are experts in certain arts, because that's what allows the art to continue. That's what allows us to be able to go to a specialist and say, I need to work on my ground game. Who do I go to? Oh, I'm going to go to this guy who spent his entire life working on that system. So I do think it's important, but I do think that it is a guideline. Like, for instance, um, if you look at somebody like BJ Penn, not recently, not fighting at outside with like drunk people getting knocked out. But I'm talking about like BJ Penn is prime. When he wasn't yeah. outside of strip clubs fighting people. Um, when BJ Penn was in his prime, you know, he got his black belt very quickly in jujitsu. And a lot of people like to make fun of the fact that Taekwondo gets its black belt, some Taekwondo anyway, they get their black belts fairly quickly. And go, well, jujitsu takes forever to get your black belts. Like, well, not for everybody. You know, it's like those are all guidelines, you know. So there is no one standard across the board of what should and should not be correct for people's art. You know, like a, a Taekwondo black belt is not the equivalent to a jujitsu black belt, which is not the equivalent to a judo black belt. And then you look at somebody who just has experience. So if you look at somebody like John Jones, John Jones is a blue belt in jujitsu. But John Jones would probably murder a lot of black belts in jujitsu. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like he has all those other experiences. He has experience from wrestling. Of course, he trains at Jackson Winkle, John. He's been able to train with some of the greatest fighters and coaches in the world, which has allowed his pedigree to go up and up and up and get better and better and better. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's an expert in teaching jujitsu. It just means that he's an expert at murdering you with his hands and also doing lots of cocaine. But, you know, when it comes to like, you know, the martial arts and teaching self-defense, the tricky part, I think, with that most people fail is when they're teaching self-defense, they typically teach self-defense courses rather than self-defense classes and in case you don't know anybody out there listening doesn't know the difference between a course and a class is a course is a very short-term thing and classes are a very long-term thing when you go to school like for instance you go to high school high school is going to take you years you take you go to yeah. class when you go to college you take courses because they're short stints right you do this you're done you move on so what do you think about um people who do you teach courses or do you teach classes do you teach short-term or long-term um me personally i like to teach classes better it depends I only do privates and I have my online stuff as well. I like classes. Like, I mean, when somebody walks in, uh, the first at least, you know, six to eight sessions, I'm teaching them about awareness, mm. about how to defuse a situation, how to, how to profile, how to, how to assess a fight before it happens. Everything prior to the first strike. And, I mean, I don't go into like, okay, straight into striking. I want to focus on how do you become a hard target. So I like to, I have a structure when I teach my classes. Uh, yeah, when I do a seminar, I try to compact it all together. But there's there, there's a series of sequence that I follow uh, to get to somebody to a certain level. Mm. And you know, I, you could probably learn everything I teach in three months. Okay. So what would you say that your basis would be? So if you, I'm a new student, I walk through your door, yeah. I'm like, teach me self defense. Yeah. What would that process look like? The first thing is uh, I would start teaching you about awareness. We're going to be doing awareness drills, uh, how to diffuse a situation, how to avoid it. Uh, what can you do? Safety tips if you're being followed, pursued, if somebody's in your face. Everything prior to the first strike. Mm. Because, I, I mean, from experience, if the idea, especially whether I train men or women, I, mean, I, tr I was training a 62-year-old man. I was like, okay, how do, you know, he had rotator cuff. You know, he couldn't move his arms as much. So I focused on, well, what can you do to become a hard target? And, and so I start with that. Once they do that, then obviously we work on some striking, 
how to bring up your hands, how to talk to your attacker, when to go preemptive, uh, you know, mostly concepts and strategies versus memorization and techniques. And if he does this, you do this, you do one, two. As soon as I see a pattern in a system, more than two, three seconds, you just lost me. I know you're bullshit. The idea that your opponent, your attacker, will let you do a series of three, four movements in a row is impossible. Mm. The action, reaction, like I'm going to strike, he's, I'm going to grab him here, then come around them, put him on a choke, bring him down. Look, the person will react. Like, I mean, I worked in clubs and I always said this. I said, I never fought the same fight twice. Mm. Like it, it, it never happened that it, every attacker reacted exactly the same way. You know, I struck a guy, he fell, I, I fell on top of him or his friend jumped in or somebody came behind me. Like it's so unpredictable that the idea that you're going to have a sequence for every possibility and every situation is impossible. Mm. So, so I, yeah. No, go ahead. So like I, I go through the strikes and footwork and, and then we do a lot of drills it's all about a live drills. Like, I mean, if I do knife drills, you know, I'm, I'm going to attack them for a minute. We're going to do it from a clinching position. I'll do it for, from on the ground, standing up. Then we're going to do helmet. We're going to put helmets and just do scenarios where they're going to get to experience the fight, not from here, but from the moment I'm in their face, pushing, shoving them, teaching them how to go preemptive, when to go preemptive. So that's pretty much the sequence as well. Under, making them understand the mindset, fear, adrenaline, everything that happens to your body mm. and your mind during, prior the fight, and everything afterwards as well. Like, I mean, you also have to take into consideration if you get into to a fight and you attack the guy, let's say you successfully beat him or whatever, does mm. he know where you live? Is he going to come after you? Is he mm. going to, you know, these are things as well that you need to think, like when you look at the fight from beginning to end. Mm. Now, you are training out of where now? You're still in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm in Montreal. Yeah, so I think we might have talked about this in the DMs, but I, I definitely wanted to bring it up. So recently, I just started doing the uh, call-out videos. So I started um, like doing my research, finding out where the fakes, frauds, and phonies are and stuff like that, and actually putting all of that out onto the airwaves so people yeah. can at least be aware of what's going on. There is actually a fraud close to your area. Um, I do believe is in Ontario, Canada, if I remember correctly. Um, and his name is the Persian bodyguard. Yeah, they actually run something called Rostami self-defense. And um, I was just kind of curious about that because, you know, that dude is a blatant fraud. It's, it's written all over the website. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of abuse of students in my eyes. Um, do you guys get a lot of that in Canada? Do you have a lot of like people who were like just shysters or anything like that you know what uh people have sent me his videos before and they asked me like nick what do you think mm -hmm. and uh like we talked a little bit before i stay away from the political game and i stay mm -hmm. away from saying you know this is good this is not good he's shit he's full like i stay away from that and i think that uh in this industry you know like the truth is we have guys like you, which I respect and I love what you do. And I think it's important what you're doing because you're, you're calling out people out there and you're, and I, you're not doing it in a malicious or bad way. You're doing it in a way that I think is a service to people who are taking what we teach um, for, 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 for word. And they might actually try some of this shit and get them killed. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think that 
just like him. There's many people out there who um, make these videos. Some believe some, here's the hard part, right? Some people actually believe that this works. Mm. So that's where it becomes challenging. Some people think that what they're teaching actually works. Mm. Other people, they're not sure, but they're pitching it like it works. Mm. And then there's other instructors who are like, look, this is what I believe works right now. This is based on my experience, my training. And this is, I would put myself in that category where, you know, I'm open. If somebody were to tell me, you know, Nick, uh, what you did in that knife defense video is shit. Okay, mm. why? Here's why. Okay, wow, cool, okay. Like, can you send me a video so I can see it? Like, like, because if I'm wrong and I taught something wrong, I'll be the first one to go out on camera and say, guys, you know what? I used to teach this. Somebody brought this to my attention. You know what? This is how I'm teaching it now. So those are the three categories. And I let people be the judge of what mm. they believe to be real or not. Or people like yourself who go out and do this, you know? Mm. Well, I think that, in my opinion, I think the, the most you can really hope for as an instructor is to teach when in, in terms of self-defense. Yeah. Like I don't, I think there are a lot of different avenues. Like I used to live with a magician and it, it kind of opened up my eyes to like what, how I look at martial arts. And ever since I, I lived with this magician, he taught me a lot about like the different types of magic. And so each one is legitimate in its own way, but they're all different. Like for instance, you have a uh, close-up magic, like card magic, where people will be right there next to you and doing stuff like that, like table table side while you're at a restaurant, right? They have big stage illusions like David Copperfield, right? Where you're yeah. sitting in an audience and he's like 30 feet away and it's grand illusions. Then you have like cup and ball magic and coin magic. And there's all these types of ways that you can get good at magic. Each one with their own purpose. One does not make the other illegitimate. It just means that one might be harder than the other. Good point. Well, in terms of looking at it like that in martial arts, there are a lot of different avenues that you can go in your career as a martial artist. You can be an actor. You can do that a couple of different ways, right? You can take the Chuck Norris, Steven Seagal, Van Damme right. Avenue where you actually are an actor and you were doing stunt work um, in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Then you have that, of course, which is also stunt work. So you have a lot of guys who do sport karate, who do more flashy martial arts, get into that. Now, they're not teaching people that this stuff is real self-defense. Yeah. They're just doing it because they know that it looks good on film and camera, and it's impressive that they can do these type of feats with their body. Then you have self-defense. 100% geared towards if you are in a violent altercation, how can you defend yourself, right? And, of course, there are other different avenues, but since we're talking about the dynamics here, when it comes to self-defense, I truly believe that even if you are a fantastic self-defense instructor, the best you can really hope for is that 75% at the most of what you teach is legitimate. That's all you can hope for. It I, is I, that, impossible to teach is... 100% legitimate because we're all different people. And so 75% of what we might teach if we're a phenomenal instructor works for most people, right? But then you have 25% of things that just aren't going to work for everyone. Now, that could be because of our body type. It could be because of our style, our attributes, right? If I'm a phenomenal, if I'm a phenomenal self-defense instructor, right, and I have all these techniques that involve me punching, I'm eventually going to run across somebody who's got no goddamn arms, right? I'm eventually going to run into somebody who's paralyzed. I'm going to eventually run into somebody who is shorter than average height. All of these things come into a factor when we're teaching self-defense. So I think it's really, really, really difficult out of all of the things 
um, all, all the different avenues to be a professional martial artist. I truly think that teaching self-defense is the hardest job in the industry. I, I love what you said. This is point on, and I would agree with you at a thousand percent that you made this point. Because, like, I mean, when you pressure test things, so when I, when I, when I did a one-arm lapel, mm-hmm. like grab and like, a, like for self-defense, I took Big Nick. Big Nick is six foot seven. Mm-hmm. Then I took another guy who was like six two. Then I, I, I took three, four guys and I tested the same thing out, like full out. And what worked with Big Nick didn't work with Sardan and didn't, you know, the guy my height was much easier than six, the, the six foot seven. The six foot seven, what I did with the guy was five, five eleven, didn't work. So I realized really quickly that there's many variables and factors to just, you know, you look at size and height and weight that could play. And you're right. Our goal, like I tell people, there's no, the hardest thing about what we do, and this is the truth, a lot of it is, it's, it's nothing more than shades of gray. There's mm-hmm. no black or white. It's not like jujitsu. You do this, you get a belt. A lot of it is, it's not, it's not theory based. It's, to me, it's kind of like doesn't make sense. It's if you pressure mm-hmm. test things enough, you start to realize, okay, like I'll give you the greatest example. I did a video because people, when I make a knife defense video, people say, oh, you're an idiot. I can't a knife, just run. Okay. So I did a video. First of all, I did it in New York City with a cop. 22 feet. He had his gun. Somebody said go. By the time he pulled out his gun, I had stabbed him. Right? So 22 feet. Now, I took that same test and I brought it six feet. Right? With a woman, Helen. She was a stunt woman. I said, Helen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to run to the door, which is about, it was another six feet. Okay? I want to see if I can run through the door fast enough then you can get me. Boom. Mm-hmm. She stabbed me. Then I'm like, okay, now we're going to lock the door. Like, so when you, so all that is, is, is pressure testing mm-hmm. allows you to kind of be like, okay, what works and what doesn't work. And there's, it's all gray and we all, hopefully instructors will bring in their own personal experience in this, mm-hmm. hoping that they have some kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Because that's if tough part. Yeah. that's really, really tough. You know, you mentioned just now something that is super important that a lot of people should know is the runaway theory. And it is a theory because a lot of people say the best self-defense is just to run away. And I agree the best self-defense is to not be there. But that doesn't mean that once the altercation is started, your best bet is to run. Now, especially if someone has a knife. Now, there was a a gentleman who I had on here before. His name is Icy Mike. And uh, Icy Mike runs a fantastic page, hard hard to to hurt, hard to hurt. And um the thing is, is for his particular pressure test, when he did the knife thing, he said that every time he ran away, the key to actually getting away was to not look back. He said every time they did the pressure test where they tried to run away from the knife, anytime that someone looked back, they always got stabbed every time. So that was something interesting. What I did with the pressure test, I realized that anytime you had to move a chair, open a door, any obstacle, unless I was in a Yes, if I was in a soccer field or an open field, you better hope you can run faster than him, even yeah. if you run straight, whatever. But anytime you're in a closed environment and any type of movement was supposed to be made, every time I got stabbed. Yeah. I was never fast enough. So this is, this is what I try to teach people. Mm. If let's say I'm sitting on a chair and there's a, and this, is, this is just to give you an idea of my process of how I teach. And mm. What I really want to do when I train people. It's if I was sitting on a chair and there was a guy five feet away from me 
and a door was 15 feet of me, away from me. Mm. What are my high chances? This is self-defense. What is my highest chance of survival? Is it me picking up the chair and using it or me running to the door that's 20 feet? Mm. So when you do enough scenarios, your brain starts understanding, like, you know, mm. being able to assess a, a situation and say, okay, what are my highest chances of survival? Mm. And this is what I learned working in clubs. I remember standing at the door and in one of the clubs, every time there was a fight or about to be a fight, I'd have to run inside, press a light, and then two doormen would come upstairs. And I told him, I said, guys, wait, you think when I'm outside at the door and a guy's in front of my face, I'm going to say, oh, wait, I got to go press a light. I'm, I'm on my own. Mm. Like, I'm not going to, I won't have time to think, let me go press the light. So, again, when we do scenario training with other bouncers and doormen, we realize right away, shit, like, there's so much stuff as well that makes sense in theory and in practice, but when you do it full out, it's a different animal. Mm. And a lot of things people don't realize either are your attributes tend to change when you start to add adrenaline and you start to add fear and things like that. You know, hitting mitts is not the same thing as boxing. No. Um, you know, uh, doing jujitsu roll is not the same thing as fighting a person in the street. There's, there's a lot of differences. Now we can get it close and we can try to get as close as we want to, but you don't know really how you're going to react in those situations. You can just train as much as possible and try and hope that that stuff sticks with you. Now, I did have a couple of people kind of chiming in, and I, I wanted to make sure that they were aware that we will interact with these. So Lunlock actually says, hello from Manchester, UK. What up, UK? He says, I believe martial arts are taught from the art side in most cases. Only those, in my opinion, who have experience dealing with those who are of violent disposition can teach the martial arts, martial side of things. I think that's an interesting theory. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that I wouldn't say that most cases people teach the art side. I think that most cases people want to, te to teach the martial side. But I do agree with you. And one thing I do think that, that in order to have somebody to teach you anything you need somebody with experience in that thing i would never want a basketball coach who's never played a game of basketball in his life you know i'd never want to have a baseball coach who's never hit a ball you know we've never played a game so it's the same thing with self-defense i would never want a self-defense instructor who at the very least didn't have a few fights under him in a ring and or a cage now of course those aren't the end-all be-all things you obviously but you also don't want a, a fucking felon dickhead either no, you know no. like my coach has been in 1800 street fights like your coach is an asshole man you, you know what when i hear that I'll, t I'll tell you my opinion um like i mean i've i've boxed i've fought in the cage i've trained with a pro fighter like i've sparred with him i've trained with him for years privately uh, i've experienced in the street and it, each one is a completely different animal it's a different it's a different dynamic and i tell people and this is why I focus so much on awareness and how to defuse and de-escalate and control the situation. Really tell them, guys, you only fight when it's your last option. Mm. Because, I mean, I've seen people get stabbed. I've seen people, people tell me, well, can, can I kill him? I go, let me tell you something. When you decide to hit somebody on the street, just them dropping and their head, and I've seen it smack on the cement, on the step, and the blood coming out, and then everybody jumping him. Like, I mean, the instant you decide to cross that line in the street, like anything can happen. Anything. You could be the greatest fighter and get knocked out on that very day. And that just happened Jay Penn not too long ago. Phenomenal fighter, you know, outside a strip club, may have had a few too many drinks, 
And then all of a sudden he got cold cock, knocked out cold. That was a shame, you know? And I saw he was bringing his hands like this to the shoulders. And I mean, I kind of teach the same thing. Bring your hands a little bit in the center, huh. keep some distance, try to talk, move around. Again, the, the dynamics are multiple attackers, weapons. Mm. Uh, and sometimes I, it, it's harder to fight these unorthodox wild guys than the fighters. Because mm. a fighter, you kind of know and understand like a little bit the angles. Like, I mean, mm. if you get in the ring with a box, you know he's going to come this way. He's gonna, you, you understand it. Mm. And you have the rounds to figure him out. But in the street, you're looking at the guy in the eyes and you're like, okay, is he... You're trying to figure out who is he? What does he know? Where is he from? Mm. What's his mindset? Did he just get out of prison? Is he mm. holding a knife? And I tell people that's enough for you to like fucking find a way and talk your way out of it. And what mm. I teach is I tell people you have two options. Either you talk your way out of it or you fucking hit him preemptive with everything you have. And you, mm. bank, you bank on that first strike. And then as soon as that switch goes on, there's no going back. That means mm. when you cross that line, you got to go all the way. Because, yes, it will escalate. You don't know if he has a weapon. You don't know if friends are coming in. So strike him and get, get out as quickly as possible. Now, Joe Carr added to our, our discussion about the pressure testing of knife. He said, I'm short and fat. I'm not running from anyone for very long. And that's another thing to factor yeah. in, man. Like your body type, your attributes are going to play a big factor into how the scenario is going to go. You know, like I have a friend, he's a Mr. Jiu-Jitsu online, and he, he's really big about making sure that people understand the dire consequences of not training. And um, martial arts is one of those things when it comes to self-defense anyway, that you don't need it until you really need it. And then when you need it, you goddamn sure better have some type of uh, information about how to handle yourself. So like, you know, you have these people who are like, okay, well, I don't train because of X, Y, Z, this excuse, that excuse, this excuse. And um, then all of a sudden something happens. There was a video, man. Like, I don't know if you ever saw this video or not. It's pretty damn shocking. But there was a lady who was walking past a couple and the gentleman had his daughter and was holding her hand. I and saw you, it. You did see this? Yeah. And the lady walked by for anybody who didn't see it. And then there was a wife who had the son and was holding the son's hand. And they were both walking together on the street. It was daylight. There was nothing going on. A lady walked past them, pulled the knife out of her purse, which was a butcher's knife, stabbed the kid in the face twice. Fuck, twice. I saw that. I freaked out. And then the mom didn't know what happened because she wasn't, you know, she was just walking down the street. Why would you? And then she realized the kid got cut. They were freaking out. And then the dad and then the lady, I guess, turned around when they were talking to her and then pulled the knife again and went to go stab the little girl. And the dad moved the little girl out of the way. Now, the, the reason I bring this up is because once the lady was walking away, the lady who had the knife, once she started walking away from the scene, the gentleman was like, you just stabbed my son. Yeah. And he went after her. And as soon as he went after her, as soon as she turned around with that knife, he basically pissed his pants and like got away from the situation. And then the lady got away and eventually got caught. But that's the reason it's so important that you we all have a responsibility to be the protectors of our own home and our own body. And training is a part of that. Now, you can have all the excuses in the book why you can't train. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't blah, blah, blah. I don't, you know, I got work, blah, blah, blah. That's all horseshit. Basically, what you're saying is I don't want to. And it's Absolutely. okay to say that. But don't bitch and complain when you need it and it's not there. Because when it's not there, you are going to need it. You're yeah. going to need it. 
you know, like in that scenario, what happens if that lady with the knife had turned around and attacked the entire family with a knife? You know? Can I tell you something? Even like even me being there, like, I mean, and, and I've trained the shit out of this. I would take that woman so seriously. I would take her like a fucking threat. I remember mm-hmm. I got stabbed. I almost got stabbed years ago. I'm talking about 20 years ago. A bunch of 13 to 16 year old kids at a park. Mm-hmm. They were about 10 or 12. And a kind of fight broke out and everybody ran like an idiot. I stayed there. And then they all like, they're like, they're doing this shit to me and they're circling me. And I see the kid pull out this fucking ice pick, like with tuck tape, like this fucking shit. I'm thinking, and I I brought my hands up in a few seconds. I was like, okay, they're like fucking 10, 12, whatever they were. I was alone. One kid was like 16, fucking my size. And I'm thinking shit. And I'm like, guys, what, what do you want? You want the basketball court here, man? It's all yours, man. Like, I mean. And I'm, I'm, in, in that very moment, and that's what I try to teach people as well, is you, you got to pick and choose your battles sometimes. Like, I mean, mm. had they attacked me, yes, I would have fucking fought till the very last breath. But mm. if you can walk your way out of it and talk your way out of it, you do it. Mm. Now, in, in this particular situation, and I don't blame people sometimes for not knowing what to do because they freeze. Mm. They don't know what to do against a knife. They've never seen it. They've never done it. Mm. And it's normal for people to be like, holy shit. And this is why it's important to train or sometimes even I'll give you a great story is I had uh, one of somebody watched one of my videos, how to use a chair as an improvised weapon against the knife. Mm. And he sent me a message and he goes with me. I want to thank you. You saved my life. I don't know any martial arts. I've never done anything. I just watched your video, how to use a chair. He goes, I was at a concert. There was a fight. The guy pulled out a knife. He was coming towards me. I panicked and I, I just picked up the chair and I started screaming and swinging it by fluke. I hit his hand, the knife dropped, everybody jumped in. Just that little split second was enough to save his life. And that's what self-defense is as well sometimes. It's, you know, maybe knowing how to like, you know, you know use a chair, move around a car as an improvised weapon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be able to... You know, read the person on when you're going to strike. Stuff like that will make a big difference. And I love what you said. We think that it's not, it's not the police's job to protect us. It's not anybody who's going to be there. I tell people, it's your life. Mm. For it more than you. It's your responsibility. Because the chances of somebody being there right next to you when you get attacked are slim to none. Mm. And it also depends on the situation, the timing, you know, there's a lot of factors in there, but yeah, like it is your personal responsibility for your well-being and your families, you know, Um, you know, I'm in Florida and one of the big things that comes up here, especially us being a red state is that we all have guns. We all do. Everybody's got a goddamn gun, right? I'm in Florida. We all got, we're all packing, right? And then I get death threats online all the time and people are always like, man, oh yeah, people fucking hate what I do. It's amazing. Well, like you, what happens is like happened to me yesterday. So I, it's pretty funny that I get to bring this up. I haven't even talked to anybody about this yet. But so yesterday I posted a video because it's October. So it's a bully prevention month here in in United States. So it's a, a big campaign to try to push to let people know, to try to be nicer to each other, to try to step in when people are getting hurt and picked on. And I had a, uh, I had, I had been bullied when I was a child. And so I told my story about being bullied. And I posted it and somebody popped up 
on my thread and they, they actually started to dig into me. They were like, well, what you're doing is bullying. You're a hypocrite. You know, you gave my friend a hard time because of what he posted. And I let him know. I was like, well, if I messed up, if I made a mistake, please let me know who your friend is so I can apologize. If yeah, I'm wrong. Cool. Yeah. And if not, then I'm going to tell you why I posted it because yeah. I pretty hardcore screen most of what I post because I only post once a day and I do this for a living. So I have like a long time to sit and watch and monitor and look. Uh, but in any case, you know, it wind up getting to the point where I was getting threatened. And, you know, like I just let people know, like, look, dude, if you're threatened, if you want to like spar, that's different. If you want to threaten my life, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking chest. Like, I have no problem with that. I have I'm I can stand my ground here. I'm not going to go out looking for a fight. I can seal carry. So if you decide that you're going to attack me on the street, I'm just going to shoot you in the fucking chest. Like I like jujitsu. I like karate and I like the martial arts. But your life at that moment is not more important than mine. So do I want to sit there and tip tap and toe around with you to give you the opportunity to pull out a knife, cut me, stab me or shoot me? Fuck no. I'm going to shoot you and then I will wait. I will call my lawyer immediately. I will also call the police and we will wait and we will see how it goes. But I guarantee one thing, anybody who actually threatens my life, that changes the scenario. We're no Absolutely. longer talking about the dojo. And I think that what you're doing in terms of self-defense is to kind of break through those boundaries and those barriers to try to let people know that those are things that could happen. Yeah. You know, somebody could pull a gun. Somebody could pull a knife. Somebody could shoot you and or stab you. And that's the big difference between self-defense and or sport martial arts is yeah. those things come into play. Like, I mean, when, 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 uh, like, I mean, when you look at MMA and I love MMA, I think they're the most complete fighters, right? Mm -hmm. They're the most complete. Now you, you, you teach them some self-defense concepts in there mm -hmm. and they, they are the, they are the, the, the easiest to train. You know what I mean? When I talk to, when I, when I do knife drills, like, if I do knife training, a lot of times I'll try to exchange. They're going to try to kickbox their way out of a knife. But once I grab them and I'm stabbing, I'm like, okay, now you got to trap the knife. Let's work on your instincts on trapping and close, trapping that knife or pinning it using the other arm. So, I mean, when, when, I, when I train these guys, I, I love training them because they, they, they're like the engine and the wiring is all there. Mm. You know, and I tell the other thing you said that's interesting I'm 42. I still train like crazy, man. Every day, 45 minutes with the weight vest on, the bands, chin-ups. I work my agility, my speed. I, I bought the reflex ball. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. And that's, that's no excuses for anybody. When people tell me, oh, what do I do? Man, go outside, do some running, do some burpees, do some spider crawls, uh, some bear crawls. There's still so much you could do in terms of your – I tell people your conditioning is, is – is a very important part of your training. And it's all about banking as much as you can on your side. That's really what it is. There's no guarantees. There's no system, no self-defense instructor, no one out there that could guarantee at 100% their system is foolproof. If you see that, it's bullshit. Already you know they're pitching you wrong. Yeah, there's definitely nothing that's 100% bullproof. Oh, you know, like 100%, like we talked about, the most you can hope for, the most. If you're lucky and fantastic teacher is to, to have 75% of what you teach is being legitimate. And the other 25% is being just something that works for you that might not necessarily work for other people. But that's why it's important that we go out, we go train, we go learn as much as we can. We go interact with other people. We'd be open minded to the ideas and concepts that other people toss um, and, you know, just kind of see what, what takes place. You know, most most people who teach self-defense do have the best of intentions because that's why they got into the business. They want to help people, yeah. you know, but some, but, but some of them, 
some of them, like, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of guys online. Some of them, like, what bothers me, if, if, if you're theatrical, if you're teaching some fucking bullshit and you're trying to claim it as self-defense, I tell people, I have the, we as self-defense instructors have the social moral responsibility to provide as best, as authentic material as we can. Mm. Because I have, I, my son is 11 years old. He watches my videos on and off my self-defense. I think, I think now my son's going to watch this, right? I made a video. If a guy has a knife, give him the money. And I'm teaching in the video how to give the money, how to position yourself, how to move back, how to put – like even though I'm giving the money, I'm not like – even nobody's done that because I know in close quarter range how dangerous the knife is. I'm giving you the option. If you feel like you're going to have – if you want to fight, you could fight. But you're not a coward for giving your money and protecting your life and your child's life. Or I agree. You're not a coward. You're alive. <laughs> you know, you know, when you die, you're not anything. You're not brave. You're not heroic. You're dead. You can only be those things while you're alive. So if you're going to be a hero, you might want to be a hero in a way that keeps you alive because anything, any result that ends up with you not living, you're no longer anything. You're just dead. <laughs> you know, so I'd rather be smart and alive than a hero and dead. You know, but I, I always say this, right? People tell me, Nick, if a guy has a knife, what do you do? This is my This is my answer. Okay. Uh, where am I? I? They're like, what? Where am I? Tell me the context. Okay. You're in a bank machine. Okay. What do you do? I go, am I alone? Am I with my sister, my son? Uh, who am I with? Why do you want to know? I go, because the fight just changed. Are they one? Are they two? Am I alone? Am I with my son? Is there a knife? That, I mean, when you do enough training, you're able to look at a situation and be like, Chances of survival. Okay. Now, and I made a video, the difference between self-defense and fighting. Self-defense mm -hmm. is really when your life is in danger and mm -hmm. you have to defend it with everything you have. Fighting is when, you've, when you haven't done any, everything to try to diffuse, de-escalate, control the situation and talk your way out of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, like, I mean, we're working in the clubs. I've seen people fight over the dumbest fucking shit. Mm -hmm. I, I saw it. I saw a kid get stabbed and the kid died. Mm. The kid died. And I still remember, I mean, I always talk about this story. I remember I got home that night and I, was, I, I held his head until the cops came and it was cold. And I remember I'm like fucking putting the pressure on his blood. And I remember I got home, like, I mean, and I was closing my eyes and I kept hearing and seeing the kid. Mm. And I remember going back the next day teaching, I was teaching knife defense. People are in class and they're kind of joking and uh, and they're like kind of laughing and they're like they're not and I just fucking lost it. I go, guys, it's your fucking life. Mm. I go, you want to come here and train and have fun with it? At the end, I'm not there. It's your fucking life. Mm. So you better fucking take it seriously because I'm not. The chance of it happening are slim to none. And the idea is not for you to be paranoid; it's to be aware. Mm. It's like it's like it's like wearing your seatbelt in a car. We wear it just to be cautious. But you gotta fucking you, you gotta take this shit seriously because again small chance that happens but you're better off knowing what to do than not knowing what to do yeah and at the end of the day you know it's that moment you only get one most likely if it ever happens in your life it may only happen once but it may only happen once and you walk away and it may only happen once because you died <laughs> you know so but we're we're at 45 minutes time flies dude time yeah. flies. What I wanted to do is I wanted to just kind of ask you a couple of questions. There's the yeah. same question I ask everybody who comes on the show. Yeah. You know, they're they're pretty like minute, but they're they're some of my favorite stuff. So 
One, I love stories from the dojo. They're typically stories that happen while you're teaching a class or something that happens while you're training that most people probably wouldn't know about unless they were there. And usually yeah. nobody's there because that's why it's a story from the dojo. So I was wondering okay. if you had any maybe stories like that, maybe from bouncing or from when you were teaching a class, anything that sticks out to you. So, something funny like that, that. It could be. It could be funny. It could be interesting. It could be scary. It could be however you want. You know, it's just. Just a story that you happen to have, like a little nugget from teaching and over the years of martial arts. I have so many of them, man, because working in the clubs, you meet some stupid ass people, man, who <laughs> do stupid shit. And a lot of these guys think they know how to fight. And it's like, uh, but a, a really funny story is one time I was teaching class and, um, and it was my cousin's, uh, my best friend's nephew. And uh, he brought in this kid from the street. He was like 18 or 19, and he was the badass in the street. Like, people knew who he was. And, he, and, and, and Sasha came to do my class. And he's doing the class and everything. And he's, this kid's, like, laughing at the training. Mm. And then I, tell, I take the kid, Sasha, to the side. I said, Sasha, I'm like, you know, I said, why the fuck you bring idiots like this here, man? I, he goes, I told him, stop hanging around with kids like this. And I mean, you're not going to move forward with, with guys like this, you know? So then he tells him that. So the kid comes upstairs and uh, to Jim. He goes up to me. Uh, Sasha comes up to me. He goes, uh, his name was Justin. He goes, Justin wants to fight you. I'm like, what? He goes, he wants to fight you one-on-one. The kid wanted to fight you? Yeah, the 19-year-old kid. At that time, I'm actually like 25 or 26. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, like, at this point, again, you don't know this fucking kid. You just, all you go is here by reputation that he's a fucking badass fighter. Mm-hmm. So then he... And then he, he walks into me and I'm, I'm in the office. He goes, yeah, I want to fight you. I go, okay. I go, okay. I go, let's go to the staircase. He goes, the staircase? I go, yeah. You said, we're just going to go to the staircase. I don't want to do it here. Let's just go outside. And he's like, well, like, I was thinking the ring. I'm like, okay, so, like, what, what's your definition of a fight right now? Because I'm a little bit confused. Mm. He goes, okay, let's go in the ring. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, how do you want to do this? He goes, well, do we get a helmet or gear. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I'm like, here, put on this, it's like a little plastic helmet. Mm. I'm like, you ready? I, bam, fuck yeah, I just, bam. and then you just, you, I just went ballistic on the guy. Cause I was so fucking inside. It was fuming. And then you saw like the students were there and he's like, goes flying through the rope and he's holding on. He's like, he, he was shaking. He's like, I'm like, he's like, he's like, stop, stop. And like, I'm like, I could just see, I rattled him. Mm. And he goes, well, I, I goes, I thought it were going to box. I go, okay. So, Okay, so it's boxing. So he puts on the gloves, and I see him. I'm thinking, "Fuck this kid!" Like, I mean, and I'm with mm. I'm with another trainer. I'm like, I don't know, man. The kid looks pretty. Like, maybe he knows how to box. Mm. I, I get. He puts on the gloves. I'm like, I'm like, fuck. After like a few seconds, I knew that. And and then, I mean, that was it. Then he took off the gloves, and the kid was like shaking, and he left. And I was like, stupid shit like that. You know what I mean? That mm. that I've seen over the years happen, and I'm like, why 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 did I mean? I look at it as instructor. I'm here to teach. I'm not here to fucking have to like. I've I've done that shit. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's 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 a funny story. I always like to talk about. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting how things work out like that. You're teaching, or you're going through your day to day, and there's always people who think they know better. Some people do know better, to be honest. Yeah. Some people are better at certain things. But most of the people who know better aren't the type of people who walk into yeah. your gym and try to fight you. Yeah. Most of those people have their own shit to deal with. Yeah, they have yeah. their own students. They have their own classes. They could care less what everybody else is doing. Yeah. 
So it's, it's, I, I, you know, it's sometimes I feel bad for people like that. And sometimes I don't because it could be a double-edged sword. It could be a moment in that person's life where they were humbled and then they go walk away from it and go, Oh shit. Well, I just, I just learned something. Yeah. yeah, Maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe that was stupid of me. Maybe it was my time to catch an ass whooping. And that's kind of something that happens a lot in dojos is, you know, you walk in on your first day. Sometimes people have egos. Sometimes they don't. They catch an ass whooping and then they make a decision where they're going to move with their life from there. You know, well, that, that's what actually happened to me. Like, I mean, I, like, I mean, the first time I walked in one of these gyms, I got my ass kicked because I was I was a little bit like I thought I was good mm. until I got my fucking ass kicked by like a six foot two guy beat the shit out of me so bad, broke my ribs. I went to the hospital uh, and I remember I was out for like two months or whatever it was, six weeks. And I went back and I wanted a second piece. And I'm like, fuck, OK, mm. fucking gave me a beating again. Hmm. I went back and then I was like, okay, now I'm ready to learn. <laughs> it took that, you know, it was like, fucking shut up. Yeah, there's, and I, and I think that's so important. I mean, for me, put your ego aside. We don't, none of us are, you know, we're all here to learn and to grow and to, at the end, to, to be able to teach the best that we could. So I'm, I'm always working with new people. Like, I mean, I was training with Davis and I spar with him, you know, you, I don't care what anybody says when you spar with an MMA fighter, and you hit him once or twice, he decides to like throw some shots, you know, you fucking feel those punches and, you know, like they're not holding back on it. But I mean, it, it's, it's a good experience for me as well. When people tell me, oh, you know, MMA, I'm like, guys, don't, 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 don't kid yourself. If you're a self-defense instructor and you step in the ring with a fucking good MMA fighter, the chance of you pulling your shit won't necessarily work in many, many ways. And we've seen self-defense instructor get there. You're also dealing with athletes. You yeah. know, you're dealing with people who are trained athletes. That's what they do every day. That's what they do, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a much different scenario. Now, I do want to give you a little bit of an open forum here. So I want you to let people know how they can find out about you, where they can follow you. Tell them about where they can look and watch and follow what you do. Uh, the best place they can go on my website, nickdrossos.com. Uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, I, on Instagram, Nick, Nick Drossos Coaching. Uh, and those really, those are the two platforms, mostly my website that I use the most. And they can find you on YouTube, but is it still under Nick Drosos? Yeah, it's still under Nick Drosos on YouTube. And, mm -hmm. uh, I made a really cool series with Tom Stewart. Uh, if you see them, uh, that 62 year old man, we made like six or seven videos that I'm posting and you could see the whole video. Most of the, the four of them are just on, you know, awareness, uh, positioning, how to read body language, how to set up a first strike. I really focus more and more of where I'm gearing towards is that mm. I'm focusing more on what can you do in your daily life to not put yourself in that position. Mm. Like you said, the idea that you run, people tell me I'm going to run. I go, you can't run through a car. You can't run through an elevator. You can't run through a staircase. And most times when people decide to attack you, they're going to attack you in a closed environment, close quarter where running is not going to be optional. Mm. true very very true well i would like to first of all say thank you for coming on the show thank you so much it was a great conversation somebody where's reggie here reggie rodriguez he said he said i didn't even realize it's been 45 minutes already this was such an interesting discussion thank you so much for that reggie thank you for listening and watching um you know and i i think thank you for coming on the show uh anybody who gets the opportunity please go check out his stuff uh he's got a pretty good following right now on YouTube. Uh, I think last time I checked, you have like over 300,000 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So a lot of good content out there. And one thing, like I said, the reason that I really wanted the show is because he is willing to pressure test. Yeah. You know, he goes on there. He, he puts the stuff to test and see what does and what doesn't work. 
Um, he's obviously very open to the conversation. So if you guys have any thoughts, comments, opinions, or questions, I'm sure if you just reach out, he'll be willing to answer and talk to you. But thank you once again for coming on the show. I, I want to thank you too. And I want to tell you something. I think what you're doing is amazing and that, that all the instructors who watch this shouldn't take it personal because I, I look at your content and I don't think you're there to you're not there to make fun of anybody. You're there, I think, to do a service to try to find some kind of truth. Mm. And I'm hoping that the self-defense community could put their politics aside and really say, like, it, it should be an exchange of ideas and trying to find some kind of truth. Because, again, you're watching these videos and you're taking our word that this shit works. Mm. And it could get people killed because they watch it. They think they could do it. They practice it once at home. And then the guy's got a knife and you're like, oh, I saw this on the video. I'm going to trap it and uh, just yeah. give him the fucking money. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people aren't aware that I've been doing this job for 22 years. I've been in the martial arts for wow. 22 years of my life. I am a third degree black belt in karate, a third degree black belt in Lissa Shodo, which is a weapon system not too many people have heard of. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, still trained to this day. My goal is to have 10 black belts before I die, so I train as much as I can. I was a 6-0 amateur boxer, a 4-2 amateur kickboxer. I was on a sponsored kickboxing team for two years that we traveled internationally called Team Full Circle, and I did kickboxing internationally. This isn't something that I just decided one day to go, you know what, let's just make fun of people. This is thought out. It's it's researched. It's something that I really care about, which is why I post what I post. And when I post it, I notice that if I post it in a serious manner, less people look at it. And my goal is to have eyeballs on it. So if I post a little joke or a little quip, it's just because of the ridiculousness and absurdity of it all. It's not because I want to make fun of people. Yeah, it's I'm, a, I'm attacking you, man. I can, I'm, I'm striking you. <laughs> you know? It's ridiculous. How can you not laugh at it? But there are plenty of people out there in this world who are brainwashed to think that it isn't fake and it isn't. And that it just it does blow my mind that I haven't run out of material yet and I still have years worth. But the thought process is that these people are cults. They're leading cults and these people are gullible and they're falling for what they're being told because they don't know any better. So hopefully this will allow people a platform to look at and go, oh, well, that was bullshit. And then not do that. And that's kind of the goal is to hopefully help people, not just make fun of people. Never want to make fun of anybody. I'm always open to the discussion and the thought. If somebody comes to me and goes, this is real because I'm willing to have that conversation and discussion. So. And, and that's why I, I wanted to come on your show. And even if you asked me tough questions, even if you questioned me, even if you told me, you know, this video sucked or this wasn't good. Why did you teach this? I, I'm open to that because I'm, I, 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 I put my ego aside a long long time ago so i'm open when people question me as long as it's done in a way that you're actually trying to find truth and actually mm. communicate authentically and honestly and mm. not just trying to shit on me if, if yeah. you do that at one point i'll be like fuck it yeah i block people all the time if people are willing to have the conversation i'm cool but once they start doing the name calling the childish shit i just block them I, life is too short not to be happy yeah. so you know, I had a, I had Master Wong on the show, and Master Wong has a humongous following. Yeah. And people gave me the hardest time, like, why would you have that guy on there? He's a fraud. But like, why is he a fraud? Yeah. Like, I just want to know. I want to talk to him. Want to have the conversation? And to me, one, I've met the man, and he's strong as shit. I can tell you that. And uh, I got to watch one of his seminars that he taught, and I didn't think that he taught anything outlandish or ridiculous. Okay. Um, you know, I think that, and especially when the conversation that we had on on the show. You know, he does do things a little bit more theatrical um, when he's on YouTube, but he has the best of intentions. And I think that that falls into that 75 percent rule. I think that if you watch most of his videos, most of his videos are on point, And then you have that 25 percent where you just like, eh, 
<laughs> you know, you can't, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, you can't win them well, all. Look, it doesn't work that way. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say something interesting. Anytime you take a video, sorry, we're going off, to- off topic, but I think this is important. I'm, mm. I'm not going to take much more of your time. When you look at a video, so you take my video, that's five minutes long. I'm sure in that five minutes, you're going to find 10 seconds where you're going to be like, eh, and you could take that and then blow it up. Mm. So, I, I mean, that's, what's really hard. Like, I mean, if you take one of my videos and you're like, well, Nick, why are you teaching this? I'm like, well, you should talk about awareness. I'm like, I have about 150 videos that just talk about awareness. Mm. But I can't, if I'd be making 30-minute videos for every YouTube video I make. Mm. But to keep it short, sometimes I cut it out. So it's easy for people to say, well, you should just be aware. That's what you should focus on. Um, there's about 100 videos I talk about that. Yeah, well, so context is so important when you're looking at something. You know, I, I try not to post anything if I don't have at least some bit of context of what it came from and what it was about. You know, so when it comes to like people like chopping out certain sections of video, excuse me, chopping up and only showing certain sections of video, um, I hope that they do a little bit of research into the context as to how and why and when it was taught and what the ideas and thought processes were. I get people send me videos, all kinds of shit. Uh, People send me videos of Wing Chun Kung Fu all the time. And I just say, yeah, that's what that art looks like. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to post that. Or they'll send me Taekwondo where guys are doing these great acrobatic kicks. And I'd be like, that's very impressive. But they're not trying to teach you self-defense. They're doing it because it's stunt work. They're doing it because it's impressive. You know, it'd be like the equivalent of me showing somebody who was skateboarding. Like, why the fuck would I do that? The skateboarder is doing all these tricks on the skateboard, not because he's trying to teach us how to defend yourself with a skateboard. It's just having fun. He's dicking around. Right? So the context is so important when it comes to stuff, but I do truly appreciate you putting your neck out there and trying to make sure that you pressure test your stuff. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Thank you for having me on. I'll be posting this up probably tomorrow. What I'll do right now is I'll rip it off um, of Facebook where it is now and I'll post it up tomorrow and then I'll give you the links and all that stuff and tag you. So that way people can check it out. Anybody who's been watching so far. Thank you guys so much. I noticed that we had a pretty steady stream of people who were watching. Um, not a lot of people jumping in and out. So I guess we had a good enough conversation for them. Um, <laughs> but for anybody who's still there, I'd like to say thank you to my sponsors one more time, just because I am so appreciative of them. Thank you, Gold BJJ. Thank you, Fight Back CBD. And thank you, MMA Pack. I really appreciate you guys. And a quick plug. I do have an event starting um, in October this month, October 20th. I will be doing open mats. So my open mats will be starting here in Florida. And then my next couple goals uh, would probably be uh, New York. And then another place would probably be Texas. So just kind of keep an eye out for the open mats. They're coming. The goal is to kind of get all the martial arts unified, training together, and having a good time. So thank you all for watching. Thank you, Nick, for coming in. And hopefully you all have a fantastic day. Deuces.